Welcome to the Celebration Sessions podcast with me, Connor Clear. The Celebration Sessions is a podcast about life, loss and love. As a celebrant, I want to look at how we celebrate, how we fall in love, the milestones we mark and how we can talk about the inevitable loss we'll meet along the way. This is my exploration into the beauty of it all. And it's my reminder to make the most of the important times and how important it is now more than ever to celebrate. So thanks for joining me on the Celebration Sessions podcast. Well, hello there and thank you once again for choosing the Celebration Sessions podcast. Connor Clear here with you and as always, I'm delighted that you're here with me and I'm honoured and thrilled that you've chosen this podcast to keep you company over the next short while. Now, I have an interesting one for you this time. July 9th, 2022 sees the beginning of Eid al-Adha in the Islamic calendar. It's the Feast of Sacrifice. Now, it comes just a couple of months, in fact, since the holy month of Ramadan, which culminates in Eid al-Fitr. Now, for many non-Muslims, we might be familiar with terms like Ramadan and Eid, terms such as that, it is something that I've wanted to delve into for quite some time now. So I'm delighted uh, that I'm finally able uh, to get around to do this. So to learn more about Eid and Ramadan, I'm joined by the wonderful Tasneem Falaya. Tasneem, hello. Hi, Connor. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you very much, Tasneem. Thank you very much for your time. Um, How is everything with you? Everything's been good. I've been enjoying the sun. It's come out now, so I've been basking on all that glory. Indeed. Indeed it has. Um, So, of course, we met, as it turns out quite some time ago now, um, I did a fantastic tour of the Chester Beatty Museum and the Islamic section there. And who led the tour but our wonderful tour guides, Tasneem. Tasneem, I have to say it was fantastic. Um, It was so interesting. I was so glad you could join me. Um, that was during the last 10 days of Ramadan, so it was a pretty special tour to give. Indeed. I wanted to give um, two tours during the holy month of Ramadan, right at the beginning, and right for the last 10 days, which is pretty special in the holy Indeed. month of Ramadan, so I was very happy to meet you there. So. Indeed. And even being able to touch on things like the calligraphy of the Quran, I, have to, I found it so fascinating. Um, well, look, we said off where we might run through this almost chronologically, really. So in terms of starting at Ramadan, let's say, which is the earliest in, in the year, could you give us a little overview then of Ramadan as a festival and as an observance, really? So Ramadan is a month of the Holy Islamic calendar. So um, like any calendar, um, Ramadan is just the name of the actual month. So like the okay. month of November on the Islamic calendar, the month of Ramadan okay, is right. basically the name of the month that Muslim observes fasting from sunrise to sunset. It's, it's a dry fast and it lasts the entire month. So that's just okay. kind of a brief introduction of Ramadan. Ramadan is one of the, of course, the five pillars of Islam, which I would have introduced to you. VR tour. Indeed you did. Indeed you did. Um, so, so tell me this, Ramadan goes with the lunar calendar, so it changes every year then, is that right? It does indeed, yeah. 
So Ramadan is is always going to change. So you never know. Unlike that with Ramadan, Eid al-Fitr and Eid al-Adha, the two Islamic celebrations that follow Ramadan, they're always going to be on a different date okay. on an average calendar. Right, right. So this year, Ramadan was April, May. Last year, it would have been, you know, late May, June. So it's always going up. You know, there there will be a time where Ramadan will be practiced in November and December. Um, so uh, yeah. And sorry, just to say, just to touch really on, on what exactly it is. It is a fast, and, and is it fair to say it's it's quite a it's quite a strict fast? It is a it is strict fast. It's um it's completely dry fast. Um, so right. you're fasting from sunrise, which is you know. If you were to look at kind of the summer months, you're you're, you're looking at maybe four in the morning oh to sunset, and sunset is, of course, I say of course, but it's uh it's at like around ten to ten sometimes <laughs> in the evening. So, oh my so that would be based around the daily prayers as well. So, and uh, Muslims are required to pray five times a day, and it's during the fourth prayer, sunset maghrib that Muslims can break the fast or open, open their fast. So. Now, you mentioned there if it's sunrise to sunset, when it falls then at different times of the year, it can, I guess, as a result, then be more challenging at different times, really, can it? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, yeah. when I was saying to you there, November, December, I was getting kind of excited because those are the, those are the months that are the easiest to fast and right, I can right. I can barely remember that kind of I can barely remember that time where you would um, start your fast around 7 a.m. and then break it at 4 p.m. Oh, because it's been summer for the last while <laughs> so yeah I mean more more months of the year are, are much more challenging and also okay. in a lot of Middle Eastern countries it gets darker a lot earlier so it's a lot easier but if you were to go to somewhere like you know the north pole or something like that you know where the sun doesn't set usually muslims in those countries would follow the saudi arabian timetables so okay so I, I wanted to ask then in a in a situation like that what allowances are, are made yeah. you'd follow a, a middle eastern calendar then would you yeah, you do. You go for Saudi Arabia generally, okay. but again, okay. I like I, I would. It wouldn't be in my remit of knowledge too too much, you know. <laughs> but that 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 is, but that is what. Well, well, look, I would love to touch on the the differences how it might be celebrated in in somewhere like Saudi Arabia versus Ireland and and the challenges, um, that might come with it. But before we get into that, can we touch on what a typical day might? look like i'd love to get a sense of the the ritual the daily prayers are they called the the salat prayers salat prayers yeah yeah. salat prayers yes so the sense of how worship and ritual come together in a typical day i mean i suppose the easiest way for me to answer that question is probably to describe to you a day in the life of me fasting Ramadan or practicing it. Of course, yeah, um, Because yeah. I, was, I was always trying to meet, meet kind of medium where I get a little bit of exercise in, which was the challenge I kind of wanted to kind of observe this 
this year. Of so course, like fantastic. the only real times, I know this is a bit of a, a weird segue in that I could really exercise would be in the early hours of the morning before starting the fast or, you know, when you're about to break it. So I, I had to kind of trick myself in a way to kind of incorporate my own lifestyle in with my fast. Oh, wow. But it brings a, a little bit of an interesting take on how you would balance Ramadan with just a day in the life generally. Indeed, so indeed. I would get up maybe around 3 a.m. And I would, you know, generally we'd start off with a light breakfast, try and get as much water in as possible and maybe a date if, you know, like your appetite's not up to par at that hour of the morning. And then generally I would kind of go back to bed until I was getting up for work and I'd get up, uh, I'd go to work and then it would kind of be the late afternoon, the five o'clock, the four o'clock mark where I really start to feel it because right. again, you're not eating from dawn, dawn until dusk. So you know, you're quite, you know, like dehydrated by that point. So I'd have a kind of running joke and work like after four o'clock, just don't ask me to make any decisions on anything. Do you really? know? <laughs> you're kind of feeling it at that point, but it's an extremely rewarding experience. Um, of course. Because you get to gain so much. Your fasting is part of community. Your fasting allows you to reflect on what you have. So in terms of how lucky we are to have access to water, how lucky we are to have access to food, but also how much community means to you, and that's what we get to experience. Wow. So I, I would wow. have a, I'd have a good nap for around a few hours, um, you know, after work, and then I would trick myself by getting into my gym gear um before my nap <laughs> really <laughs> i'd have my protein shake ready and i have a date ready and i would then like set an alarm just you know maybe half an hour or so before i would uh, before it was time to break the fast and oh, i would go worse. to the gym and i would start a light exercise and then it would lead up to breaking the fast and i would then Again, this is a typical day of what I was doing in Ramadan, not what everyone's oh, doing. So. Of course, of course, of course, absolutely. But yeah, but again, so I just break my fast on my water, my date, just do some light weights, and then I head home for iftar. So iftar is, you know, your dinner. So um, I generally, it would generally be like if it was as part of a family or, you know, inviting your friends over. You'd have your, your meat, your salads, your bread, all of that good stuff. Oh, and words. then you would be so full to the brim by the time it was coming to your evening prayers, you wouldn't know like, if you could really function because, you know, like you're just nearly consuming more than you can handle. Of and there course, were generally yes. tarawiyah prayers on the mosque. So tarawiyah prayers are additional voluntary prayers that Muslims pray Um so from Isha, which is the fifth prayer. So again, we're breaking the fast at Maghrib, the fourth prayer. Right. Um, we're getting to the mosque at Isha time, the fifth prayer, which is an hour or so later. And we're praying into the night. We're praying up until 11 or 12 at night. And then, you know, you're coming back, you're sleeping for a few hours, and then you're getting up at 3 a.m. to have your sabor, which is your breakfast. Okay. And then... You know, it starts again. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie and say I manage the gym every day, but um, those are that, that, that's how I kind of 
would like just try and ensure a little bit of, you know, a holistic approach to life where I was getting a little bit of exercise in. And again, it was a complete diet change because you're restricting for a certain period of the day, trying to get used to that as well. So not being too hard on yourself. Indeed. And I must tell you, there was an evening um, across Ramadan just gone. Um, and, and I was in town and, and obviously we, we all know how difficult it is to get taxis home um, from town at the moment. So I ended up walking home, but I was walking along the South Circular Road uh, by the mosque. And this must have been, it was around about midnight, but there was such a buzz in in the community and, and there were people coming and going from the mosque. Yeah. There was a moment where I stopped and went, you know, oh, I wonder what's going on. And then I remembered it's Ramadan and I knew that iftar was a thing. And, and so I presumed that that's what it was. But I did get a lovely sense of community uh, as well, um, which I loved to see. I, is that really the case then? Yes. No, like you came, you would have come across the ending of the Tarawiya prayers. The prayers oh, wow, that I described for you praying tonight. So generally before COVID, there would have been breaking of the fast in the mosque. Okay. And um, as part of the community, and when you're when you look at earlier generations of Muslims in Ireland, you know when Muslims started to come into Ireland in the 1980s, my father, for example, it was the community was the only family they really had. So breaking the fast was and the iftar at the mosque was of course, really yeah. significant. So it was, you know, beautiful rice and chicken dishes and served on these huge platters where you'd communally eat together, you know, with oh, wow. your brothers and sisters. So iftar at the mosque is all like throughout the world is a very special communal experience. Oh, wow. Uh, and then tell me this, would iftar take place at the mosque or is it something that happens in the home with family or, or can it be both? No, iftar is, iftar just means to break the fast. So generally right. you would break the fast at home. Okay, right. All coming together, I see. you have your date in hand, you're ready to say your dua, which is kind of prayer. You're dying for that. Nothing, no, I can never describe to you what it feels like to have that first sup of water when yes. you break your fast. Yes, then you generally go and do your prayer, your mugra prayer, because again, you're breaking the fast before the prayer. And then you um, come together with your family. You start off sometimes with soup. That's that's the favorite of, of choice during iftars, your uh, soup and then your rice and your, your salad and your meat and your bread. And, God, I'm getting hungry just thinking about it right now. <laughs> Me um, too. Um, Me too. And sometimes it, the eating never stops, you know, like right into the evening, your, your, your melons and your, your cakes and your pastries. So sometimes it just doesn't stop, but that's that, oh, that, what you're describing there, what you're describing there in terms of that feeling, that's what you're getting. Like, that's just a short glimpse of what's happening in the Middle East all throughout Ramadan. People are, uh, are up until the early hours of the morning, eating, celebrating, just you know being together with their family and their community Lovely. because again that short window i described you know you nearly just stay up all night kind of thing and have your breakfast and go to bed and a lot of you know like a lot of um, if you're in a muslim country generally do kind of thing but 
I suppose that kind of leads into your kind of comparison question of the difference between Iftar in Ireland and Iftar in the Middle East. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I guess then with that in mind, uh, are there challenges that you might face observing Ramadan in, in Ireland? I mean, I suppose the main kind of challenges I would... Like, it really depends, you know, a lot of workplaces are really good. I know mine was, you know, in understanding and asking questions and mm. about the impact of Ramadan, you know, like so, yeah, it's going yeah, to yeah. do exams, things like that. So there's a lot more conversations that need to be had. You're getting ready for Eid, why you're taking that day off kind of thing, you know. Okay. So like, the you know, those kind of conversations that would be the first thing Uh, and I guess well I think for non-Muslims I I can imagine because even with the best of intentions when it's something that you don't understand we tend to ask questions and sometimes as I said even with the best of intentions those questions might be that might well be repetitive or intrusive and and I can imagine they can be tiring for you is there anything that non-Muslims can can do or say to just show a bit more understanding to to the sacrifice that that you're making during Ramadan, e- even just to make it that bit easier. I think the best thing is to ask questions. It really does feel like you're being acknowledged. That generally people are interested in your faith and what you're doing and. And it can, like when you're like a Muslim minority in a majority country, sometimes it it does feel isolating and you can feel alone. So when you have your Irish friends asking questions or intrigued about your faith and wanting to have iftar together, that means the world to, to, I know it means the world to me and many of my Muslim friends and family. So I would encourage people to ask the question and ask the questions, whatever questions come to your head. Indeed. Because that those questions are the instigators of conversations that will really kind of strengthen friendships and, you know, strengthen awareness. Do you know? So ask questions. Ask all the questions. Okay. That would probably be the best advice we could give. Very good. And that, that is a, a lovely message, uh, Tasneem. And, and a lovely takeaway as well, I think, from, from this conversation as well. So thank you very much for that. Um, tell me this, before we move on to Eid al-Adha, um, obviously then Ramadan culminates in, in a wonderful celebration of Eid al-Fitr. So tell me, what format does that take then? Yeah, so... Um, Again, we're going on. We're we're going by the lunar cycle, so um, there are thir- generally thirty days of the month of Ramadan. Ramadan would either end on the twenty ninth day or the thirtieth day, based on the lun- based on the sighting of the moon. Okay. So, okay. whatever day that ends, the next day is going to be Eid al Fitr. So that's the first Eid, and it lasts a few days, and it's a few days of celebration. It's very different in Ireland generally. You take the one day off work and you'd go to the mosque and you'd you'd have your Eid prayer. So like so for example, this was the first year after restrictions were removed where the community could come together. There I were see, ice cream vans see, and outside barbecues. This was all happening happening in the mosque. Everybody was dressed like they were going to the Oscars oh, and after doing your rounds of hellos, how are you? You generally, you know, eat some good food, like there'd be stalls up and, you know, like go and see family and friends. That 
doesn't change from country to country generally. Okay. And okay. all having a big dinner together or, you know, going to Dundrum and getting brunch is a big one. You know? Oh, my so words. Like, Lovely. Like, if you see really well-dressed group of Muslim girls, they're all heading to Dundrum. Oh, yeah, cool. it's a lot of food, a lot of new clothes and money. Generally, money would be given as a gift to younger kids, and it wouldn't be the opening of presents like it would be on Christmas. Like, there would be some presents, but usually it's kind of money, so okay. kind of things. Okay, and because I have to say, I'm loving the sense of joy and and celebration that, that comes with it and, and and that sense i think is very familiar uh, to me it's something that we might experience uh, by the sounds of it at, at christmas time and it's that idea of 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 just celebration you know yeah um does you touch there on food <laughs> i love talking about food would there be traditional dishes that you might associate with eid al fitter yeah so that would be lamb so especially if you're going to eat al aja which is seen as the big eat. It's based oh, on very nice. the Hajj and the sacrifice okay. of Abraham. So in the Quran, Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son. He was then asked to sacrifice a lamb instead. So you can see that how it ties okay, in. So that's okay, the traditional yeah, yeah. eat food is lamb. So right. you would have a, a lamb, a full lamb on top of a giant bed of rice. And across the Middle East, lamb is the turkey of of Eid, I guess. Right, okay. And then you have your traditional baklawas and basmusas and kunafas. I don't know if you've ever had kunafa. It's like the most amazing dish ever. It's like just, it's cheese and it's a dessert of melted cheese and honey. Well, now I have to tell you this, Tasneem, I am quite the fan. (laughs) I've had it a number of times. I actually had it recently in Dundrum in a wonderful place, actually, um, uh, am I allowed oh, okay. to mention the place? Why not? Um, Munch, just at the oh, Balali Lewis yeah. stop at Dundrum. Yeah, no, Munch, um, yeah. Oh, my word. It is phenomenal. I love it. I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, um, Munch is run by two extraordinary Muslim women. Oh, so wow. really nice to hear a shout out there. Also, Kanafa Kings is amazing. It's based in Greenhills in Tala. And they're just doing an amazing job. Oh, fab. Highly recommend everyone go out and get some Kanafa. I'm writing this down at the moment um, and I have to say I'm in the middle of, of trying to organise um, a, a lunch date and a, and a coffee date with with, um, with a pal and we need to go to Reina on Dame Street uh, because I saw pictures of their kanafa on their Instagram and it looks you're, you're educating me now so oh it's, I'll, be, I'll be heading up there too but <laughs> those are the kind of like for example on Eid day in the Middle East you know you'd have puff pastry with honey and cream and jam. Like oh, that's a lovely. huge thing is to eat cream and jam and different kinds of jam with bread, thick bread, you know. Oh, that, that would be just a really luxurious. And honey, honey's a big one. Do you know, like breakfast, that, that would be kind of, I don't know, what would you have on breakfast there on Christmas? Like, generally? Well, on Christmas, oh. Um, yeah. Well, actually, do you know what's interesting? I, I don't think we have a traditional breakfast per se um we as a family certainly don't i know a lot of people might have um well they might go out of their way and make a fry uh for their breakfast on yeah, christmas day so yeah. they'll have rashes and sausages 
that's I think the closest thing to a traditional Christmas breakfast <laughs> there's nothing really Christmassy about it um, but I think everything really centres around the dinner more so yeah. at Christmas which is obviously the turkey and the ham and stuffing um, and like that as well and it sounds very familiar insofar as it's such a it's a feast and it's the idea of um, and this comes up time and time again on, on the podcast as well which I love um, regardless of faith or culture or, or, or country all of these celebrations all go back to family and food yeah. and sitting around the table and breaking bread together and it's 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 really wonderful it's really wonderful um, so tell me just to bring it back then because I'm getting a sense then that there are in fact a lot of similarities uh, across the two Eid celebrations would that be the case yeah so like Eid al-Fitr is the smaller Eid it's only around around three day celebration kind of thing Eid al-Adha is like four days five days it's much longer so like the celebrations will go on much longer it's the big Eid so that's how I would have seen it as a child oh, okay right The first day I described to you of the mosque and the prayer and all of that would still be the same as Eid al-Fitr. The second day is generally visiting family, visiting friends, and that goes on until the third day, except fourth day, etc. Okay, okay. And and you'd still have to attend the mosque. Our, our prayers are obviously a, a, a big part of this as well, yeah? Like if I was to describe like Eid day in the Middle East, you just, you hear the calling from the mosques for the entire morning. Right. You that that would lead up to the Eid prayer. And the Eid prayer is January around 10 a.m. and then it would be the community coming together and praying together, and that's the Eid prayer. Okay. So like okay. if you were to look at Ramadan, if there are days that you can't fast during Ramadan, there are always provisions for not being able to fast. If you're sick, if you're pregnant. You know, menstruating women, you don't have like you don't have to fast. There are only times when you're required to make up the fast. You're to make it up right. after Eid because Eid is Eid is the day of celebration. Ah, okay. So like that can't be negotiated. Eid has to Eid has to be celebrated. I see. I see. Now you mentioned Hajj, the the, the pilgrimage, which in itself is such a, a fascinating thing. It probably deserves its uh, its own episode. Um, is that something you've managed to do? No, I haven't been yet, but hopefully, hopefully someday soon. Oh, someday soon, someday soon indeed. Um, well, look, um, Tasneem, I'm conscious of time, so we we might wrap it up there. But Tasneem, I just want to say thank you so much for your time. That really was fascinating. I I, I love learning about this and ha- having these conversations. So thank you. Um, I wish you Eid Mubarak. Uh, it's really wonderful to learn about these uh, celebrations and observances, and I'm and I'm so appreciative of your time. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me and thank you so much for asking the questions because we love we love to get them and it's really nice to be able to invite people to you know share an experience you know you know those beautiful celebrations indeed so well thank you so much for having me oh my word well look as i said that that's such a lovely takeaway from this episode ask the questions so thank you for that um well look there we are tasneem eid mubarak 
Thank you once again. And uh, I'm sure, look, I'm looking forward to having you back on, on the podcast again to, to have a chat uh, another time. Looking forward to oh, Wonderful. So thank you so much to Tasneem and thank you to you, the listener. Don't forget, you can go back and check out previous conversations wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, uh, don't forget to like and subscribe and of course rate and review and all that malarkey uh, so you can keep up to date with new episodes. Until the next time, that is it. Stay safe. Take care. Of course, Eden Mubarak. This has been the Celebration Sessions podcast. Thank you.